So today's episode is going to be about repentance. The last episode we talked about was conviction. And usually when you hear conviction, you also hear about repentance. So I figured we go ahead and talk uh, talk about this one and see what is repentance? Like when a Christian says that, what are they, what is, what is that? Well, basically the, uh, the common usage of repentance is simply to turn. Okay? okay. That's the way you usually see it in the Greek in the new Testament in the old Testament. It's really interesting because basically it, it, it's like, if you look at the Hebrew and Greek throughout the Bible, what you do is you see multiple terms used. In the Old Testament, you actually see one where it basically refers to like sighing. Like if you have a really deep sigh that you're letting out, just a, you know, because there are times in life that we all understand that we have really blown it big time. Yeah. And you just, and, and there's that realization. It's like, oh, I have so totally messed this up. And, and you just sit down and you just, you know, you just blow out a deep sigh, a deep breath. And it's like, woof, you know, yeah. you know, you just have that time where it's like, and, and you, and it's like, I wish I hadn't ever done that or, or whatever, or, or, or I really wish I had done that. And I should have, you know, I didn't do what I should have done. I did what I shouldn't have done. And, and it's like, you just have that moment. And then there's that part that it's actually about it's about there's a an intellectual understanding of wrongdoing it's like not only because i i think one of the things i like about the old testament way that that it uh, uh terminology is you almost feel the emotion of it the heaviness of there's it. that heaviness of it the regret the 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 almost it, it, it is almost to my mind, it's like you're almost in mourning for your because of your stupid. Yeah, and, and it's like I, you know, and whereas in in the New Testament, there there is more of a uh, mental um, recognition of this. It's like you know what, and this gets back to conviction of what we were talking about last week. It's like no, this is proven without beyond a reasonable doubt, dumbness or wrongness, yeah. and then it's like, and then there's this turning from it. Uh, because there's uh, repentance requires a turn. Um, I mean, that's really what it is. You can't say, oh, I repent and then continue to do it. Um, it's like somebody who does a wrong thing and it's like, oh, I repent, I repent, I repent. But every time they say I repent, they go back and do the same thing. Yeah. No, what you're saying is I'm sorry but until there is a change, true repentance, repentance is the turning. You can feel bad. You can recognize the bad. But until there's the actual change in behavior, you haven't truly repented. Okay? You can recognize wrong in your mind. You can feel terrible about it in your, in your emotions. But until the actual change happens in that way, it's kind of like forgiveness. Yeah. It's like, I know I need to forgive you. And there's a part of me that in my emotions, it's like, I want to forgive you, but I'm real struggling with forgiving you. Yeah. <laughs> but, but actually getting there is not always so, so easy. And so it's one of those things that's like you can recognize it mentally, you can feel it emotionally, getting to the actual thing where it is such an affecting thing that it actually modifies your behavior. And I think the, the problem with that is if you read in Galatians and it talks about the, the works of the flesh versus the fruit of the spirit, it's like you have to understand, you know, there is this thing where we are, unfortunately, since the fall, hardwired for stupid and yeah. for sin. It's kind of, Paul expressed it elsewhere in the New Testament. The things that I would do, those I don't do. The things I would not do, those are the things I do. Yeah. And it's like, there's, there, you know, 
there's a, a law inside my members, inside my, inside my physical being, that it's like gravity. It keeps grabbing me and pulling me in the wrong directions. And it's like, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? But the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus will set you free from the law of sin and death. And that's that thing. It's that, that, that drawing you into the wrong direction. You know, it, it, it's mentally recognizing that fact doesn't change it. Feeling bad about it doesn't change it. But it's the seeds that help bring the conviction brings the seed and the fruit is repentance but the growth of that fruit is the spirit of god and that's why he's talking about in in uh, galatians about walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh and that's the problem we run into a lot of times because what happens is people are not focused correctly People are like, okay, I recognize that I've done wrong. I really feel lousy about the fact that I've done wrong. I need to change. But what they're doing is they're constantly focusing on the thing that's wrong. And it's like their, their entire focus becomes a warning. It's like, I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to watch that. I'm not going to behave like that. Uh, and, and all of that. And what happens is they're still focused on the thing. When you become a Christian, they, they don't come and tell you, if you will repent of all your sins, you can come to Christ. It's like, no, you come to Christ. The turning to Christ is the repenting of your sin. He will give you the forgiveness. You're turning your life towards him and giving him your life and when you do that he will move in and his spirit will awaken you and you will become born again and the thing about it is what happens is we tell people turn it, it's not just about turning away from something it's about turning towards someone you turn away from the old life and you turn to Christ. You're not focused on everything that you've got to stop doing or every rotten thing you've ever done in your life that you have to turn from. You're focused on the individual that you're turning to. And the problem is we do that really well at salvation. We just are really lousy sometimes at doing it afterwards. Because we're so focused on, well, I've still got this area in my life and that area in my life, and I still got this bad habit and all this other stuff. And we're constantly focusing, I've got to stop doing this. You know, there are people out there, I gotta smoke, stop smoking that cigarette. Yes, it's a good thing to stop smoking that. It's got I there's the I, I gotta stop losing my temper. I've got to stop doing this, I gotta stop doing that. But they're focused on doing that, and you need to recognize, yes, you need to stop doing that. It's and these things are wrong. This and you can feel bad about it, but you will never do change them. You your the change doesn't happen. True righteousness doesn't happen by just that. It is a work of the spirit. It I'm turning toward him, not just turning away from that. And so it's, it's the process that we forgot. If you're walking in the spirit, you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Where we uh, focus is we're so basically into behavior modification instead of a deeper walk in the spirit that all we do is at the best we use our strength of of, of, di of personal discipline to behavior modifying. You know what the problem with that is? People get tired. People get stressed. And it's like, it becomes a thing. Just how strong is your flesh at controlling your issues? 
until the point where you are tired enough or you're stressed enough or the circumstances are bad enough that all of a sudden you can't in your own strength continue to do this. It's like, I'll give you a, you and I both have a, a friend who um, is a minister and um, one of the things we did was years ago, um, uh, he would go to the gyms and there was this guy that was really bugging him because there, you know, he's a Christian, he's a man of God. And there's this guy in there who is just dog cussing all the time during the workouts. Well, obviously, you know, if you're a Christian, you're probably not going to enjoy hearing, you know, the idea. It makes like, things harder. Yeah, yeah, it's like you're trying to focus on your workout. You're trying to stay in a, a good Christian frame and all that. And you got this guy there that's dropping all dropping kinds of. Dropping all the words and then some. Exactly. And so it was really bugging him. And we were having a discussion about that over, uh, over a meal one time. And I said, you know, the thing about it is, and, and this is the thing about people who often uh, do a lot of cussing. It's like what we call, and, and we call it cursing. It's really not most of the time a curse. No. It's actually more of a profane, it's a profanity. Yeah. Um, uh, or an obscenity, but it's usually not a cursing. Most so-called curse words aren't. They Curses are yeah, curses. It's, it's a different those, animal. That's one of those things that I always thought was weird, like why they call it that. But. Well, see, if if you used a phrase like, if you, if, if you use the word damn, for instance. Yeah. In a word where you're using that in regards to someone or something, then that's a curse and an actually very presumptuous one because it presumes, it's like sending. It's presu yeah, it's like you're saying, you know, you're going that, there, this person or that thing and needs to be damned. And as though somehow you have the authority to do that. Exactly. Um, that's extraordinarily presumptuous to do. Um, another one is people will tell people to go to a certain, certain place, know, a certain place. And it's like, no, you really don't have that authority. And it's like, these are things that you don't, don't have the authority to do. That's God's call. Yeah. And so, and then there are things that are more of, um, an obscenity, just or, a profanity, or a profanity, which is just, yeah, it, it, it's a vulgarity. It's like you, you know, it's just regular trash yeah. talk that you hear on TV nowadays. Exactly. You know, people question people's parentage. They, yeah. they call them, you know, uh, every other word in the book that they, yeah. that you can imagine. They use, they use vulgar sexual expressions yeah. and all that. And so that's not really cursing. That's basically, that's just profanity. And, and but it all falls under corrupt communication. Yeah. And so if, if I was talking with, with this friend of ours and it's like, here's the thing. Most, one of the things that we, we do is we become so, and, and this happens a lot in Christian circles, we are so offended by the behavior that we never ask the why. Why is this person cussing, uh, profaning so, so prolifically? And I, I was telling him, I said, one of the things that people don't understand is one of the reasons, not the solitary one by any means, but one reason why a lot of people cuss is because they're in pain. There are people who, under normal circumstances, would never shout and scream obscenities. But if you put them in enough physical or emotional pain, then things that they would never uh, hurt. I mean, let's be honest. You ever have that moment where you're zipping through the house and you catch your toe oh, yeah. on that on that leg of that coffee table or something, and you really are just waiting to pick your eyeballs off of the floor because oh, yeah. you were in just so much pain. People who might not normally ever 
utter an obscenity will many times find themselves with, with a sentence with, 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 with quite a few coming out of their mouths, at least until the pain subsides. Yeah. And so the truth of the matter is it's one of those things where the, the circumstance um, I, I, and what I was trying to share with this friend of ours is it's like what we need to understand is why yeah. we are offended by the behavior, but are we missing the pain behind many times this particular behavior and behind a lot of behaviors? And so when we look at this, it's like many times what we find out is we need to walk in the spirit in order to deal with the issues behind our issues. For instance, if somebody has a problem with, uh, with profanity, as long as they are in physical or emotional pain, we realize that that is going to be fuel for that activity. It's not merely just the flesh tendency. They need a healing. There's always a root cause to the way people do things. If you cuss, if you drink, if you smoke, there's a, there's a reason why uh, you do that. But it's just a bunch of people trying to deal with the symptoms instead of the actual issue itself. Exactly. What happens is we all have the, the tendency to turn because of our flesh, but the pain becomes your trigger. Yeah. And the result is the profanity. If you heal the trigger, the emotional or, or physical pain that's causing that person to do that particular behavior, then that tendency of the flesh has its trigger cut out from underneath it. Yeah. And it becomes much easier. See, and that's the problem. It's like there are people who are like, through my through my personal strength and discipline, I will not do this. I will not cuss. I will not lose my temper. I will not, you know. And they'll probably this, be that. good for like months, years, possibly like decades. And then maybe one day hits you. It gets harder as you get older. Yeah. Because as with everything else, your your discipline, you, you, you get older, you physically become, you know, less strong. And many times you are, uh, you don't have that, call it strength of will or whatever, um, that allows you to keep, keep a it. clamp on that. The truth of the matter is, there are a lot of people who are dealing with issues they need to be some need to be healed from some need to be delivered of some people need uh, any any other uh, number of ministry uh, manifestations by the Holy Spirit that need to happen in order to deal with various things in their lives and the fruit of the Spirit that comes forth you can't manufacture that out of your own strength. Let's be honest. When you read, you know, the fruit of the spirit are love, joy, peace. You know, let's be honest. You don't manufacture love. No. You know, joy, you don't manage. You can fake it. Yeah. Peace. There are a lot of people that are really good at manufacturing the appearance of love, joy, peace, etc. There's a bunch of people faking it till they make it. And the thing about it is, the truth of the matter is, at some point you have to realize, am I really making it? No. And if I'm not making it, it's because I'm trying to do, is it because I'm trying to do it in my own strength? Because I'm really not walking in the spirit? Again, it's not just about being focused on the thing that you're doing that's wrong or that you're not doing and therefore is wrong. It's about turning and, and walking in the spirit so that at that point, you're not really the one doing the work. Yeah. You know, that's the funny thing. It's like when Jesus talks about 
my yoke is easy and my burden is light, basically come and learn of me. You know, and there's that thing about rolling your cares upon him, rolling all of this other. It's like a it's like this serious burden that we are carrying. And the problem is. It, it, it's like we, we it is only in the spirit that we can roll these cares off on him. And and so, you know, again, people are trying every which way. You know, if I do this, I can keep control of this. And it's like, no, no, you, you, at some point, these things, and the flesh is always pulling at you, but. Oh yeah. But it makes you wonder like why Christians tend to have this mentality of, I can do this. I can do this. You know, like I don't need help. I can, I'll just do this. If I get up an hour earlier and do this, then I can, you know, have a better grip on all the things that I struggle with. If. If I get my life in order, then I will be a better person and a better Christian. But it's like, and God, I feel like God's over there like, you know you can come to me, right? He's like, you came to me in the beginning. But now all of a sudden, once you came to me for salvation, now you've got a hold of all this. It's like, okay. You know, I just wonder like why that mindset is basically in most of Christianity right now? Well, I think because what happens is there's a point where we stop worrying about pleasing God and we start worrying about pleasing man. Yeah. And it's kind of like this. It's like, it's like the difference is like this. If you fall in love, okay, isn't it amazing what a great mood that puts you in? Yeah. I mean, honestly, you might really be infuriated by the dirtbag who just cut you off on the highway under normal circumstances, but you don't really care because you're in love. I'm in, I'm so in love. You can't bother me. You, it, I, I'm in, I'm in my happy bubble now. It's like this. You're just driving down the road someone, and you're with your girl or your guy and someone cuts you off and you just laugh it off. You're like, people are crazy, aren't they? <laughs> but like four months earlier, you would have been dogging them. Yeah, it's like, how dare they do that to me? It's, it's, and that's the funny thing, because you know why? Because you're in a relationship, and you're so much in love with a individual that this relationship has just changed all of your reality. Yep. And the reason that we're struggling with so much of this is because the problem is 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 not the idea that we somehow have to change our reality the problem is we need a, a more love in our relationship and it's one relationship the problem i think is like most people they turn their relationship with god into a love triangle yeah it's them god and man and they're com- and they're just stuck in that thing, you know. You know, it, it, it is. It, it when it, whenever it becomes about when you fall in love with God, and I mean, you fall in if you fall in love with somebody. I'll, I'll just use it a more generic approach. If you fall in love with somebody, and you are in that in that in that time and you are just so happy and so much in love and what happens is nothing bothers you because the only thing that matters is that that relationship is good as long as you're making them happy and you're in love with them and and the result is that you're having this wonderful relationship you're in this this love you know, relationship with, with this person, you are, that's the thing. And everything else gets affected by it. But the problem is, it's like, oh, well, here's the problem. I've got to please this person's family. I got to please this person's friends. 
I got to please this person's coworkers. I've got to press, uh, got to please this person's classmates. And at that point, it's no longer about the singular relationship between you and this other person and the love that you share and the joy and peace and happiness and all of the wonderful things that you are experiencing in this relationship with the with this uh, with this other person it has become as you said the third person or usually the third persons and so what happens is at that point you get a gigantic buzz kill because at that point what happens is you begin shifting your attention from the wonderful loving relationship you're in to how do I make this other person happy, this other group happy, this other, you know, I, I've got to make sure that I get this right and to, and to make this person and this couple and, and, and this and this group and this click and this, that and the other. And it's like, you know what happens? Just like Peter on the water, the moment your focus turns, you start to sink. And how many relationships do people enter into in life? And they start off so wonderfully. But the problem becomes that instead of continuing in that wonderful relationship, all of a sudden, he's not looking at her anymore. She's not looking at him anymore. Everybody's got to be concerned with everybody else and anybody else and whoever else. And you watch and I, I and you watch these relationships just go right down the drain. And how many Christians have walked that walk? You become a Christian, you enter into that relationship. And it's you and the Almighty, and you are in this fantastic relationship. You are experiencing a love and a joy and a peace and a goodness, and the fruit of the Spirit are becoming more manifest in your life. And then what happens is, but I've got to please the people in the church where I got saved. And it's like, and I've got to make them because I need them to sign off on me. You know, what am I going to do if they don't like me? And what am I going to do if, and, and, and that's the funny thing about it. We, it's like, no, you don't understand. The only person who matters is the one you're in the relationship with. It's like people, you know, again, it's one of these things. You ever see, you know how it was in high school when, um, sometimes just everyday life, it's like, okay, you got these two people, they meet together, and it's like, but he's got to please her friends. What is it that there was an old song about that? You know, if you want to be my lover or something, you got to get got, with my friends, something like that. And it's like, so it's like, no, no, that's not how love works. No, love is between two individuals. And if other people approve that, that is wonderful. That is a blessing. But that's not necessary. No. The thing is, is the loving relationship. Between the two. Between the two, even if though, you know, and so it's this relationship with God. You have this relationship with you and God. It doesn't need anyone else to sign off on it. Because first of all, Christ paid the price for the relationship. God sent his son to pay the price for the relationship. And Jesus sent the Holy Spirit as the seal of promise who comes into us, who bears witness to, 
fruit on us of the relationship and brings forth that fruit. And so the thing is, we're so busy, it's like, oh, no, 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 you don't understand. Um, It's one of those things, it's like, we are so much, so often struggling, focused on the thing, that it's like if we would just focus on the relationship, we allow ourselves to be sidetracked. And that's the thing about it is, it's about Christ in us, the hope of glory, and us being in him. The way, um, the way Paul puts it, he says, it's interesting. He's, it, Paul's really interesting in the way he can basically describe himself. In one place, he refers to himself as the chiefest of sinners. Okay? And he is being totally blatant on, honest. He's not, you know. He's, he's not, not putting on airs or nothing. No, it's like, being... no, it's like, no, it's like I'm chiefest of sinners. And then in another place, he can say, I am the righteousness of God. Now, you know, let's be perfectly honest. If you see those two statements, it's like you're either the chiefest of sinners or you're the righteousness of God. But, you know, people would say, well, Paul, you need to pick one. But what they don't do is they don't read the entire phrase that Paul says. He says, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And when we are operating in Christ Jesus by his spirit, we are the righteousness of God. When we operate in our own flesh, then we can become the chiefest of sinners really quick. And it's just about how quickly we're actually, it's like flesh and spirit. I mean, you can turn on a dime. Oh, yeah. But it's one of those things. Repentance is is one of those things. You can either try to do it yourself, spend a lot of time obsessing over your faults, your weaknesses, your habits, your whatever. And then it's like, but at the end of the day, or, or your focus can be towards Christ and walking in the spirit. And, and it's like, where are you going to focus? And it's like, do you confess your sins when you? Absolutely. Do you repent of your sins? Absolutely. But you know what? The same spirit who convicted you so that you confessed your sin is the same spirit who is going to empower you to turn. And that turning is never just away from the something, it's towards the someone. That's the power of the relationship rather than the strength of the performance. So why do you think repentance is something that doesn't really get talked about a whole lot? Granted, we're coming up on Easter, so this is going to be the whole uh, story of, you know, the passion and all that and people being saved. So you're probably going to be hearing repentance thrown around a little bit more. Unfortunately, part of the problem, I think, because the question you ask is a really good one. It's like, you know, it's not like here in the United States, we don't have bukus of, of Bibles, te- uh, whether they're electronic or paper I mean, we don't have, you know, how many pulpits, how much, exactly. how much social media with, with Christian ministers on them. Why is it that we don't, you know, why is this still apparently an issue that the repentance thing doesn't seem to be out there? And part of it is we are culturally conditioned. We know from Scripture when Jesus was tempted by the devil, he said, look, um, you want the kingdoms of this world? I can give them to you just like that. You worship me, they're yours. Boom. Jesus never disputed that. He rejected the offer, but he never disputed Satan's 
uh, ability as the prince of this world, the god of this world, the prince of the power of the air to deliver what he, t what he was offering. Never did he deny that. And although all authorities are basically ordained of God, unfortunately, because mankind is in a corrupt, fallen state and largely lost, the Satan many times shapes the culture through corrupt human beings. Um, and so basically, who influences the influencers? And so you and I are born into, and it doesn't matter, it's not just American culture or, or European culture or Asian culture or Middle Eastern cultures. It doesn't, whatever culture you're born into, let's be perfectly honest, they're all fallen. Yeah. It says in Revelation, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. And the thing about it is, it's like, that's going to happen when the judgment is laid, the judgments are being laid down and Christ is on the, uh, is basically heading here. All of earth is a rebellious colony against the home country of heaven. Yeah. And Christ is coming to put down the rebellion. And it really doesn't matter what neighborhood you live in. Every neighborhood, to a greater or lesser extent, is to some degree in rebellion against God and being controlled by Satan through, uh, we talked about this in spiritual warfare, his cosmocraters who basically influence um, through the influencers uh, the way people grow up. So when you and I grow up in these cultures, we're brainwashed from day one. Yeah. We just think this is normal, whatever normal for that culture is. And whether it is on the relative scale, a healthier or a less healthy culture, um, the truth of the matter is you're never going to be right until you become part of the kingdom of heaven and, and become born again. And so the problem is, in America, especially in the last, oh, I'd say 60 years, there has been a, a move in the culture, in the educational system, in uh, media, in entertainment, that basically there ain't nothing wrong with you. And it's the I'm okay, you're okay, deal and the you can't judge me and the you can't shame me yeah and the there ain't nothing you know and it's like no the truth of the matter is there's something wrong with all of us if there wasn't something wrong with all of us we wouldn't need a savior but christ didn't come and die for some he died for all yeah and so when he came for the sins of all mankind, it's because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so what we have failed to do is we have failed to keep the culture out of the body of Christ, out of the pulpits, out of the denominations, out of the organizations, out of the people. We have become more like them instead of them becoming more like us. And in that way, we have largely failed to some extent because we are called to be salt and light in the earth and ambassadors of Christ. And part of that is we are supposed to display a better way. And so what we do is we don't tell people to repent um, because it's like, you know, first of all, we don't want to make anybody, anybody, uh, we don't okay. want to make them feel uncomfortable. Yeah, nobody, nobody, we don't want to shame anybody. No. We don't want anybody to feel bad about themselves. But we they're doing it at the, ex, at, the, at the expense of the gospel. It really is. And it's like, and, and the question is simply this. If you love them, what, will, what does love compel you to do? You know what? I, there's this there's this wonderful word word called compassion. Yeah. And the way I look at the word compassion is simply this: What is passion? Passion is love. It is a deep, strong love. Passion. 
you know, I'm passionate about this. I'm passionately in love with this person. I'm passionate about this. This really motivates me. But compassion is, it's a passion that compels. It's like, no, I can't be content to do nothing. I must do something. And so it's like this. It's like, you know what? Sometimes the way that compassion is expressed is not always a pleasant way or even a gentle way or even a, a, you know, it's like this. If I saw somebody who was on railroad tracks and they were completely unaware of the fact that a train was barreling down on them and no matter how loudly I seem to be shouting, they ain't getting it. Love says, you know what? You might get your suit messed up. Your ensemble may get a little grubby. You might even bang your knee or bruise your shoulder or something, but I'm going to reach over and I'm going to grab you and I'm going to yank you off of those tracks because I love you enough that even if it means, you know what, it may not be, you know, I may not be the pretty thing to do, but it may not be the good thing to do, like in rep- reputation or something. But it's, this, it's, this, it's the thing that compels you to do that because you know that that's what's best. Exactly. And whether it's the, a pretty thing or an ugly thing and or just calling, telling somebody like, hey, you need to turn. And see, and it's almost like <laughs> the weird thing is sometimes people don't react right. How many times I can think of, I, I think there's at least two Hollywood movies I can think of right offhand. One's animated and one's real life where basically a guy is trying to save someone who's about to commit suicide by jumping either off of a bridge or a building or something like that. And they actually save the person's life. And the person is so mad at them because it's like, I got injured by you saving my life. Yeah. I'm going to sue you. It's like, how dare you injure? It's like, what? You know, yeah, it's, it's like, like you were about to kill yourself. You were about to. I loved you enough to kill yourself, to keep you from killing yourself, and you're mad because in the process of me saving your life, you got hurt. You got hurt, and it's like you. you it, it is so strange. But the truth of the matter is, there are multitudes of Christians who are so afraid. Well, I'll hurt their feelings. Yeah. They won't like me. And it's like they'll think I'm a kook. They'll 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 call me names. It's like it doesn't matter. Do you love them like Christ loved them? If you're in that loving relationship with Christ, then the I've always said that basically ministry is the overflow or side effect of your relationship with Christ. It is not the be all and the end all. It's the natural result. If you are experiencing so great salvation as, as the scripture says, and you're in this wonderful relationship with, with God, do you not want then anybody and everybody else to know about it to experience it, let's be honest, go back to our, our, our earlier deal. When people fall in love, they will tell everybody. Oh, yeah. Everybody they know, everybody they've ever known. And it's like... You'll you see know, nothing but that all over a social media. And it is all over. And people are, and a lot of people, it's like you get the eye rolls. It's you like, get tired of it. Would you please stop talking about how wonderful they are? But here's and, the thing. It's one of those things. Everyone's okay with you shoving that down their throat. But the moment you bring up Jesus to anybody, <laughs> exactly. then they're like, quit preaching. Quit doing that. People say quit preaching to me whenever you're going after them about like, hey, this is how good Jesus is. 
people don't know what preaching is anymore. No. All they think of is like a televangelist saying a few things and then asking for money. That's what they think of when they think of preaching. They don't know real preaching anymore. See, and that's the thing. We, it, if we understand that the role of the Holy Spirit is to convict us of our sins, to bring forth, and that's the seed that brings forth the fruit of repentance, first to come to Christ, and then anything else in our life after we come to Christ, you know, God knows, God has a checklist. Yeah. He'll let you know if something's bugging him. And it's like, if you open the Bible, you'll find out really quick, hmm, he don't like that. He don't like that. He is certainly not big on that. Yeah. And at that point, what happens is when you find out that the person you love doesn't like something, all you of adapt. a sudden, you don't like it either. No. Because it's like, you know what? You know, I, I don't No, I don't. I don't like eating that kind of food. Yeah. I don't like going to that kind of a place. I don't like doing this kind of a thing. And it's like you know what? If they don't like it, it's not really that important to me. You find out how much stuff really matters to you when you're in love. Like if your significant other isn't into that, then you're like, yeah, I just don't care about it either anymore. And it's not in an abusive kind of way or a controlling kind of way. It's just in that way of like, you just lose the feeling for it, but it's not a negative thing. Yeah, and, and, and that's the thing about it. We're told that basically from, from day one, we, we tell boys are little princes and, and girls are little princesses. And, you know, you, you nobody needs to stunt your creativity. Nobody makes ever needs to, you know, make you feel bad about itself. And it's like, no, here's the thing. It's like the, the, uh, the, the writer in the Old Testament. I was born in sin and shaped in iniquity. And another place is like you come from the, for, from the uh, womb speaking lies. And it's like, sorry, we're falling out the gate. Yeah. We, we are not all that in a bag of chips. And just because it's your kid or grandkid don't mean, yeah. you know, they're just as fallen as you are. <laughs> exactly. Surprise. And so it's like, look, I understand. <laughs> and they definitely act it when you're not around. And, and the truth of the matter is we understand that children need love. They need encouragement. They need, you know, they need to be built up and all that. But the problem is they also need instruction. They need discipline. They need boundaries. And so that's the problem. And we have generations now who say, you know what? It's like the only thing that becomes a deal is it becomes a thing where it's like we don't love them enough to tell them the truth. Because it's more important that they should love us than that God should love us. Yeah. I don't love I don't love God enough to tell you the truth. I don't love you enough to tell me the to tell you the truth I love myself so much that all I want is for you to like me and it's like no that's not how it works it, 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 there is all of us this need to hear the truth and so it, it's one of those things it's like everybody right now has there are, it's funny, people are dealing with two mindsets. <laughs> it's kind of weird when you think about it. It's the comparison trap. And what we do is when we want to feel really good about ourselves, we watch reality TV. Yeah. Because there's nothing that makes you feel better about your life than watching idiots on TV, on reality TV. It's like they may be better looking than you. They may have more money than you. 
they they may have a more glamorous life to you, but at the end of the day, you look at that person and say, you know what, that person's an idiot. If I had that kind of money, those kind of looks, that I, I wouldn't be doing that. It's like I wouldn't be doing so stupid. They're morons, and it's like they're dirtbags. They're doofuses. And then you feel better. I'm going to make sure I tune in next week. <laughs> yeah. And you feel good about yourself because you could look at them and say. At least I'm not them. At least I'm not, you know, I may not have that life, but at least I'm not that moron. And then, then there's the other ones that we compare ourselves to. Oh, wow. I could never be, you know, as smart as that. I could never be as good looking as that, as successful as that. The and one that bums you out. I could never have as much as they do. And then, and they're the ones that you look at and it's like, Woof. All of a sudden, you don't feel good about yourself at all by comparison. And the funny thing is, we seem to have this deal where we're either basically looking down our noses at somebody else by comparison or, or looking up. down our noses at ourselves. Somebody. And it's like crazy. So how do you speak to that? How do you speak to that if you're a Christian? And it's like, first of all, if you're looking down your nose and feeling so doggone superior, get over it because all have sinned and fallen short. Everybody needs to repent. Everybody needs to confess. Everybody needs the Savior. And there's only one way to the Father. Only through Jesus Christ. Uh, no matter what anybody says. And it's like, and then, but then there's also the approach for the hurting, those who feel crushed, those who feel downhearted. And it's like, you know what? Christ himself was a man of sorrows. He understood grief. He understood pain. He understood tragedy. He understood being, you know, I, I mean, when you look at Christ and it's like, you know, what it is to be misunderstood. You know, we, we think about Jesus as being some kind of woo-woo fictional character. It's like, take the, take the deal where basically he, he's out there. Jesus talks, we think of Jesus as just, he just walks around softly floating. And, 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 and he just speaks these, you know. And everyone falls things. out. And, and, and just, it's like, oh, everyone how nice. was happy. Clap, 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 clap. Well, it's like he's, he's preaching at it one day. And his mom and his, and his brothers are there. And I think it's interesting because, you know, in the King James Version, it says, Jesus is beside himself. Who thinks of Jesus like that? I mean, it's like, it's like it, 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 you're, you're looking at his mother and his brothers and you, and you're, and you, can, you can figure the discussion. The boys are talking to mom. Yeah. Mom. Jesus is wigging out. Look at him. Look at how emotional he is. Look at how distraught he is. L look at look at how how he what he, he uh, how he's raising his voice and how and and how emotional it's like we need to stage an intervention here. We need to get a hold of him. I mean, he he apparently is 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 not, you know, he doesn't know what he's doing. And it's like, we need to get with his boys over here. You need to get a hold of him. And tell him, it's like, listen, tell Jesus, your mom and your brothers are here. You need to get over here with us, and then we need to get a hold of him. Yeah. And, and they passed on, and the disciples dutifully pass on the message. Yeah. And he's in there in front of everybody, you know, in front of God, in front of his disciples, in front of the crowds. Who is my mother? Who is my brother? Those who do the will of my father. And it's like, dude. And at that point, everyone just sat there like, well, okay. I mean, Jesus was so misunderstood even by his own family. Yeah. How many people can relate to having your family misunderstand you? People you love misunderstand. It's like they don't get me. 
They don't understand me. Why can I not get it across to them that, you know, I can't, they can't seem to relate to who, you know, why, what is the deal here that we can't seem to bridge this? And it's like, no, it's like Jesus gets it. Jesus gets what it's like to be the one that, you know, he's, he, he had 12 disciples. He had 70 on his staff that he would send out. He had multitudes that followed him, but did anyone ever really understand him? Talk about the ultimate loner. So far as family, friends, people, who understood him? Do you know when he was understood? He was understood when he went off by himself and he prayed. It's like, my father knows me. He gets me. He understands me. He's the one who sent me. It's all about this relationship I have with him. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm doing this. It doesn't matter if anybody gets it. It doesn't matter if anybody accepts it. It only matters that I love him and he loves me. And we have each other and nobody else needs to understand that. If they do, that's wonderful. And so I think that's the problem. We're so busy trying to please everybody and anybody that we realize that we really need to please please God. If that's your thing, that's why Jesus said, whoever hateth not, Father, mother, brother, sister, husband, wife, yea, and his own life also cannot me, my disciple. Doesn't mean that you don't love them, but in comparison to Christ, everybody else pales in comparison. And so it's like, that's the one relationship that matters. And that's why we don't see that message go out. Because sadly, People who claim the name of Christ have other relationships that matter more. It matters more to me whether you like me. It matters more to me whether you reject me. It matters more to me this person, that couple, that group, this bunch. And that's why we, why we have this. When you talk about why is it like in the churches like that, it's really simple. Who matters more? The one who paid the price or the people? We have become, sadly, Paul said, who who, who should I please? God or man? If I should seek to please man, I should not be the follower of Christ. And it's like, that's why we have to tell them, repent. Broad is the way. And wide is the path. You know, is the gate that leads to destruction. Narrow is the path and straight is the gate that leads to life everlasting. If I don't love you enough to tell you that, no matter what you think of me, if I don't love God enough who sent his son to pay that price enough that I should do that for him, do I really love him? What kind of relationship do I have with God? Do I have a relationship with God? If this thing, and and that gets back to the repentance thing, we're, we're talking about preaching the gospel now, and it's like, because we are so attached to the things of this world, it's like this thing. It used to be that people wanted to live a holy life before God. Now we're trying to figure out how much stuff we can get away with and still make it into heaven at the end of the day. 
and we're, we're seeing that more and more. The truth of the matter is repenting is easy if you love enough. Witnessing is easy if you love enough. Preaching is easy if you love enough. The question is, do you love enough? Thank you so much for listening to today's show. If you want to stay up to date on all things regarding the show, please follow our Instagram page at voice in the wilderness underscore podcast, or check out our Facebook page at voice in the wilderness. We also have a YouTube channel called voice in the wilderness. So please subscribe to it. Follow me on all the social media. If you're listening to this on a streaming service that allows you to follow me, please do that. If you're listening to this and, they allow reviews or something like that please leave me a review every little bit helps thank you so much